Welcome. Mike Crawford here. Special episode. No announcement. No promotion. We're just going live today. So you like uh, it. Got, got some people here in the in the virtual studio. Number one, uh, my co-host Grant Smith. Good evening. How's everyone doing? Doing great. Very good. I, I slept most of the day. I don't know about you guys. Can't sleep day. three kids in the house. <laughs> no sleep. So we, uh, the, the other guests we obviously have on the show, some of uh, you might know, some might not know. Uh, I was on their show recently. Uh, I got a correction about their show. They made note <laughs> of that. I have to make sure I, I get it right. But the show is called the Soup and Lemon Hayes podcast. It's on YouTube. It's on the Kirk Minahan YouTube uh, channel. They're a Kirk Minahan fan show. I said that they were affiliated with Barstool Sports or Barstool Sports Show. Apparently, they're not. But, you know, Kirk is on Barstool Sports, so there is that some is sort of affiliation. But It's like five degrees really, of separation. Yeah, a, little but... bit of, uh, a little bit in the network, you know. Yeah. You guys don't just – you're very humble. You don't want to uh, trade on what's not 100% official. Is that correct? <laughs> Maybe not. More like not get ourselves in trouble, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> we're, having, we're having a great time, and that's all that matters. So that's – and we should make sure we think of your names. It's Eric, uh, which on the right, and Scott on the left. You got it. That's it. All right. And uh, Scott, you're also the doctor, right? I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, you can. Yeah, I am the uh, the cannabis doctor, the unofficial cannabis doctor. Yes, sir. He's got. I like PhD. how you make that. Uh, yeah, uh, make sure everyone's aware it's unofficial because we, <laughs> have, <laughs> we have some, I don't know if you've seen some of the Cretans in this movement, but. Uh, no, no. We have I, some um, fake doctors that dress up in the medical gear, and then they find worms in their grow or whatever. It's, oh, no, we try. We try our best to poke fun and, and keep a keep a good satire on things. But also, yeah, um, I find myself, you know, just giving some advice and doing a little bit of consulting and helping people get into the get into it. Obviously, with the with the rush of people trying to test things out and 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 different products and different things out there, I, I find myself helping some folks out and. Actually, that's kind of what got us going with me and Eric originally. So, yeah. And I've read some of your recommendations. I like the unofficial doctor because I think you give better <laughs> advice than the fake people we talked about, the fake doctors, but as well as like the real doctors. A lot of times the real doctors don't know anything really about well, I'm what like they're you. recommending. I'm I'm like you, Mike. I'm pure inspiration. I just kind of spit the ideas out. Eric keeps me in line, puts all the warning stamps, and kind of keeps me from getting myself into trouble, like I said before. Do you have a PhD? <laughs> Absolutely not. Grant. Oh, okay. I, I was studying for my graduate degree when oh. I fell disabled. That's why I was going to ask, but I understand. No, no, no. no See, a lot of, a lot of education, a lot of work experience. I don't want to go disrespecting people with any kind of education grant. So, See, here you go. I'm not worried. I let Eric take over yeah. now. Now Eric starts I'm I, I cover the two of us with all the degrees. So all, all the letters left next to my name. We're good. <laughs> oh, oh, you went to graduate school? I have, but uh, I, I haven't gone through the PhD or, or PsyD program, but that was always the plan. I, I actually was applying for um, a, a doctor program this fall, and uh, because I was, I was, you know, I was not extremely happy with where I was working, so I was just starting to look around, and, and graduate school programs kind of came up in my brain, uh, and then I got a job offer that was just one of those I can't refuse, and so I actually um, took away my, uh, you know, I, I withdrew my application, so. Um, we'll see. Maybe next time, next year. 
And I really do like the recommendations. So I, I've read some of them. Uh, you yeah, like so recommend we, strains and things like that. Yeah, we got a, that, we, Mike. Yeah, thank you, sir. We got a cool thing. So not only are we doing the podcast, but about you know four or five weeks ago, Scott and I were thinking, you know, why don't we just because we kept getting like DMs questions about you know what do you think about this or what about that or about these like you know bad cartridges that are on the market. A lot of like the stuff all that was on the black stuff. market. Yeah, questions about gummies, edibles, all sorts of different things. So and it's more it's similar to what again, like I said, I do with my friends and kind of on the side. So. Um, so yeah, it made sense. And yeah, so Scott started writing some stories and I'm like, you know, I've got a really good friend who's an, an illustrator. So I'm like, this is just, you know, just almost like a little bit of a cartoon, but some serious talk in it. So every week we're posting, uh, we're calling it like weed life. I mean, whatever, but it's just a profile, a patient profile of a person who's kind of describing what they're, what they're going through, some symptoms, um, some thought processes. And then, you know, Scott's writing all of these hundred percent. Not trying to um, stereotype necessarily, but definitely I find groups of different kinds of users and different kinds of, of consumers of cannabis, whether it be different different edibles or different strains that people like and, and different things that people react to for their lifestyles or however their brains are constructed or whatever's going on. So trying to cover different different kind of backgrounds and different kind of people that are like in different flavors and different things. Yeah. Yeah. And then after Exactly. Yeah. And then education. That's what's the biggest thing in cannabis is education. Yeah. My hope is somebody that. reads it. My hope is somebody reads it, identifies, oh, that's that that's what I do. That's what I'm interested in. And maybe they get a little bit of a thought or an idea out of it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Awesome. So again, it's uh, Eric and Scott from the Super Lemon Hayes podcast that you can find on the Kirk Minahan YouTube channel. Uh usually preparing on the uh um premiering, excuse me, I said preparing, premiering on weekends, usually like Sunday yeah. nights or, or even like earlier in the weekend. Uh, you yeah. had a, an episode we were all kind of geared up to watch. We were excited that you were going to uh, interview someone from Revolutionary Clinics. Yeah. Um, I have my own story about rev running into people from Revolutionary Clinics this weekend. I may have to share in the show, but we'll see about that. But um, <laughs> you guys did a, the, well, we, we don't really care about that as much. We, what we care about yeah. is that you guys had a, a big show. Yeah. We were all geared up for it it premiered and then it came down right <laughs> that's exactly what happens and we have uh, no idea we brought you on we're no. like kind of crap and we're like are these guys gonna punk us like because you haven't told us anything we have oh no, oh, no. As, we would we would never do that no. much in the um uh you know we don't know we, we yeah well so the, you know I the, there was a screenshot up too so i mean it's there. oh we it's, had it's it legit we oh, were it was, ready to go we had a yeah uh you know so i, I just want to say that you know the unique thing about our show and kind of our, our stance that, you know, we don't come from any, any one background, right? So we're not like pure activists or we're not like just pure, like, you know, public health professionals or on the policy side or on the politics side. So we kind of covered everything. And I think just in the last couple of months, just because of our, our kind of like even keel, like Switzerland kind of, or, you know, sort of take on things, you know, we've gotten some, some great discussions and great interviews and, and you know, Mike was one of them. And so just through another little bit of a channel, you know, Mike, I, I really was listening to our conversation over and over again. I kept thinking about all of the, the stuff that you thought uh, or think that's going on behind the scenes, a lot of the health consequences and a lot of the employees that were, you know, speaking to you and, and kind of taking a lot of risk, um, you know, for their, for their future careers or lives um, by, you know, exploiting some of the things they witnessed. And so I wanted to take that information and try to bring someone from the corporate side and see what they had to say. So I was actually working on getting two different individuals one from rep clinic come on and the other one was from another major one not netta i don't think that is going to talk to anybody to be honest just because there's so much shit going on especially with that in investigation that you're looking into so um so we landed the cmo from rep clinics 
And again, I, I, unfortunately, you know, I, I was able to do some information digging online, but the majority of stuff that I know about that company is from our, our conversation and a lot of stuff that you've been posting, Mike, uh, which is fine, obviously, but like, you know, coming at it from, from sort of like that even keel, um, it, I, 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 I definitely felt after I've listened to it a couple of times and after I sent it in and I submitted the episode to be played, um, I, I felt that I may have been leaning a little bit into one direction. And, and Scott was sort of mentioning this to me too at the end. He's like, dude, you sounded a lot like Mike Crawford in there. <laughs> he's like, you had, you had some like investigative spirit going on that's a little bit different than what we've seen in the last like four or five months. <laughs> You agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 100%. Um, I, I, and, and not that it wasn't, I thought it was a well-rounded interview. I mean, we covered a lot of topics. And, but I think that he sort of, I think he sat down thinking it might have been a little bit of a cream puff interview. Um, and Eric came at him on some pretty interesting topics and conversations and hit him probably pretty hard that he probably wasn't exactly prepared for. I, I mean, I think he was kind of, you know, hanging and, you know, hanging at his, on his back deck. And it was kind of the evening. He's having a glass of, glass of wine, I think. And yeah. It was a little bit more of a chill scene. And again, I think it was a great conversation, yeah. but you were, you were, you know, you were firing on him and you had some yeah. good stuff. I mean, well, so the mic, and this is actually a question I have for you is that like, how do you set up people that come on your show? And I guess, the, I guess one of the things is that you've been in, you've been in this business and grant you as well, you've been doing this for a long time. So it's almost like when people come on your show, they kind of know what the flavors and what to expect. I feel like, is that true? Do you think? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, not way back, but now I think. Yeah. Uh, well, even back when Jason Lewis first came on, people who come to the Young Jerks know that if you're coming on the Young Jerks, you're coming to talk about policy and yeah. your past history. And so most people who come on know that they need to be well versed in the topic. Yeah. But at the same time, they also know that we're probably going to have done a decent amount of research on them. Mm -hmm. However, there are also some people who come on for causes that we support where we very much do an interview that allows them to get their voice out there because mm -hmm. we feel it's being strategically suppressed mm -hmm. by the same type of corporate or government forces we would normally interview with a higher degree of scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. If you see me looking down a lot today, it's because I have my <laughs> dog in here and I keep oh. feeding him chicken to shut him up. I just thought it was because Grant was saying such like, you know, important things. You're like, he's the so man. So that's the key, Mike. So from now on, I know when that thing, when, when, when the dogs are barking, it's because there's a lack of chicken going on. All right. Now I know. <laughs> it just went to, <laughs> went to market basket. Got, All right. Like the whole rotisserie chicken, you know? If the supplies are low, the dogs are barking. Oh. Now I know from moving forward when I'm listening for the future. <laughs> he's got so, a, he, he's Whitey Bulger over here. He's got an extortion <laughs> thing going. But that's why those, that, that, those folks from Revolutionary Clinics, would not come on to the young jerks. Yeah. I don't think well, we wait, would invite them. Maybe. We, maybe. Yeah, well, we so don't want to rule me, that out yet. Cause we, yeah, let me, let me, because yeah. I, I actually, Mike, to be honest, your name came up. Your, your name came up. And uh, obviously, I think because a person comes on our show, they want to maybe look into a little bit of our past. And you were the last guest that we had. And so I think, uh, you know, he totally knew who you were. And I think you actually even have a video of him walking out with the CEO. Wasn't that like the, when you put Yeah, that was him. It's right funny because I thought it was somebody else. I, no, I thought it was, it was the attorney. It was, I thought it was he was Tom. the attorney. <laughs> it was, yeah. Funny. Yeah, it was no. him. I happened to look into some of that stuff because I wanted to get up on as much as I knew from, you know, your stuff and from else. And I was like, oh my God, that's the guy that's we're having on. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, so we got him on. And, but I, what I, what I was trying to say is I, you know, I set him up, not in a way that was dishonest, but I'm like, hey, you know, we, we're going to, you know, we want, to talk about these topics. I wasn't, I didn't like, it wasn't like anything we, in any direction we went, wasn't what I already sort of, you know, proposed. And, and so I think what happened was you, know, we got, we got into a great conversation. 
he was very very relaxed as as uh scott was saying you know we're all drinking we're all sipping we're all smoking you know it's like and then it went on for like over an hour and this is kind of the story where like i got off he called me out for being a little bit too investigative but i said okay whatever i'll, I'll re-listen to it the next morning i'm you know producing the whole thing which is basically just listening to it over again making sure there's nothing in there that i need to mark out and i'm like dude this is like one of the best open and honest conversations that i think we've ever had especially with someone who's heavily involved in a topic that you know we've only recently started to get ourselves into but he's like a big time player in one of these big time companies in the state and um and so i was like all right man i i i'm so excited to get this online and so i sent it to uh you know kirk's people who put it on the youtube channel and it's all set to go and then i get this like fire storm of email text email text call miss call like like a hundred things um and i don't know if you guys do this but do you guys i mean you're doing this live with us right now but do you guys ever produce a show record it and does anyone ever ask for to listen to or or to watch it before you post or or produce it or how does that work with you guys we're live so you're live no turning so, and back. that's exactly so, why we would not do that. so that's that's a very but we have had people thing. afterwards complain and ask us to take it down and, and threaten to sue us i mean that has yeah. happened i told them <laughs> right not doing this, that i mean like um i mean I, i'm not yeah. gonna say i've never taken a show down because i have yeah okay and what way were back. those reasons way back you know yeah but, for, what, for what was what was the concern i want to see if you shared some show. of them Oh, oh, so I mean, you're just heavily that's critical about, thing about doing this too. Sometimes, yeah. you know, whether it's live or recorded, yeah. sometimes you listen back and you're like, do I really, <laughs> you know, I, I feel you on this. I totally, yeah. I get where you're coming from. Cause you're, you're, you guys are new to this, like in a lot of ways, especially diving into something and you know, it's a little uncomfortable at times. Yeah. And, our, and listeners, no though, our listeners, though, do have a pretty good understanding of Rev Clinics dating back to uh, the initial Cambridge uh, equity proposal, yeah. dating back to their argument that they should be allowed to be in that equity period, yeah. dating back to the boycott of revolutionary clinics after they announced their lawsuit to try yeah. to sue over that equity period. Yeah. So our, thankfully, the listeners are going to be pretty caught up as to what we're talking about. But just for yeah. that context, yeah. Revolutionary Clinics, along with a few other medical dispensaries in Cambridge, did not want Cambridge to pass a cannabis business permitting ordinance that contained a two-year period for state-certified economic empowerment applicants, those being companies that will directly uh, help those most harmed by the war on drugs. And as a result, uh, they tried to create a fund overseen by themselves that would benefit five to seven applicants and allow them access to that priority period. Well, public policy groups and other EE applicants saw that and said, why would a priority period meant for EEs include medical dispensaries that are almost 100% white owned? And so that's what happened. Big and money Cambridge, owned. Let's yeah, be Cambridge, clear too. It's not working class white guys. This is uh, major, major money. So they passed that priority period in September of 2019. And this, the Revolutionary Clinics Dispensary went on to sue the city of Cambridge. And to get folks caught up, initially in January, a preliminary injunction was, was issued in the case, and the priority period was put on hold. That preliminary injunction on April 24th of 2019 was overturned by a single justice of the Massachusetts Appeals Court. And by overturning that injunction, the priority period was once again allowed to go into effect, which is the state of affairs now. Um, so that uh, is the full context there. There's, that is 
why folks are angry at revolutionary clinics, and that was the context of uh, the history there. There's one point that revolutionary clinics makes. I, I ran into some reps from revolutionary clinics this weekend and actually did get some answers. I don't know if they were on the record or off the record, honestly, didn't say, but uh, one of the things they mentioned about that lawsuit is that uh, it got kicked back to the original court, the original judge who ruled, you know, who gave them the ruling they wanted initially. So they feel like uh, pretty good about the lawsuit, actually, even though they lost the last round. But let me jump in quickly because um, I've read the I've briefed uh, I've read the full briefs in the case, and so um, it, yes, they got a, an interesting sentence from the single justice who kicked back the uh, injunction after overturning it, which said this is a ruling on a specific issue. Uh, the issue was whether or not Cambridge's ordinance was in conflict with a regulatory mm-hmm. schema the CCC has for dual licensing priority. Mm-hmm. So the judge ruled that. That was not the case, but also said that the uh, district court judge could reissue the injunction on other grounds. But why they shouldn't be too happy about that is there is a two pronged test for determining whether or not an injunction issues. One is you have to show that you're more likely than not to win on the merits of the argument, which is like we were talking about, uh, you know, there's a litany of different arguments they have. But two, you have to be able to show the court evidence of uh, irreparable economic harm. And that's what they don't talk about, because in that ruling, kicking down the injunction, the first, uh, the single justice said specifically that the evidence of economic harm was scant. So they actually have to meet two thresholds. They have to, one, find another issue to get the injunction issued on, and then beef up their economic harm argument enough to the point where the SJC will, uh, the First Circuit, or the single justice of the appeals court will sustain it. And I also want to make one more point which is that fundamentally Rev Clinics argues that the legal reason they can participate in that priority period for those most harmed by the drug war is a portion of state law that says that co-located, that municipal ordinances cannot prevent co-located medical dispensaries from opening as an adult use establishment. But that says nothing about whether or not cities and towns can delay a co-located MCC from opening as an adult use. So fundamentally, I think they're going to keep trying to get these injunctions, but I think the case turns on a weak legal argument and the city of Cambridge will prevail. All right. Thank you, Grant. <laughs> I think it's also, just, just to add a little bit of detail to that, I think it's, it's important to note that the process by which uh, the Cannabis Control Commission does uh, select EE or MTC applicants, and it's 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 it, and that's what they were arguing, correct? Grant, they were basically saying they were not in line with it because Cambridge was saying no MTC companies or applicants whatsoever because we, we're going to give a two-year head start for the EEs. But the way that the Cannabis Control Commission, and correct me if I'm wrong, is they go to the EEs. If there's not an applicant ready, they go right back across the uh, aisle. No, if there's no. an applicant ready, they go ahead with that one. Then they go back. If there's an applicant ready, if there isn't on EE, they go back to MTC. It just goes back and forth like that, correct? Yeah, but um, do you know what the ratio of RMD priority That's applications like 193 to like 10 or nine. something like that. Yeah, and that, so when the judge and the single justice made a hilariously sardonic comment, and you have to know how to read judicial decisions to see this stuff because they don't say it explicitly, but the single justice said something along the lines where, the dispensary's argument here might hold water if they could show that there was an um, a imbalance of economic empowerment to approved RMD applications, period. That is clearly not the case, period. 
So basically the what the judge what the judge said was you're trying to tell me that this city can't only allow EEs when there's a huge imbalance for RMDs and he laughed them out of the courtroom. So So uh we're talking to Eric and Scott again from Super Lemon Hayes podcast on the Kirk Minahan uh YouTube channel, YouTube network, their Kirk Minahan fan show. So, uh they talk a lot about cannabis. They just had an interview with uh what's his name tom schneider no is that right yeah tom schneider revolutionary clinics uh he's with management over there and you got rid of the podcast and we started to talk about some of that um i guess i just want to ask grant a question real quick i apologize i'll get back to that no no problem Grant, right. we're in the in the perfect world because and i understand there's a huge imbalance and i absolutely believe in the feeling that we are completely overrun in, the, in terms of the cannabis industry by rich white people. I mean, that's just the way it is. And obviously we're playing, we're overlapping with a lot of shit that's going on right now in current events that also just makes it a little bit more obvious. So, so what's the perfect formula then? How does it work? Because I mean, the, the one thing, and I'll be honest, you know, the interview that we had with, with Tom was, in, it was almost like impeccable. Like the questions that were, that were asked by Scott and I found his replies, perfect. I never, I did not leave that conversation hitting the guy. I actually left the conversation saying, dude, let's get together, let's drink a beer, let's, let's fucking like smoke weed together. Like it was like the most love I felt. Not, I'm like, you're going to have to take this into consideration, but our interview was great. But this one was like, he just, I think he just like opened up and it really, it made me feel, again, first interview, completely different perspective than you guys, but first interview with Corporate Cannabis America. And, and it, it, it made us understand there's, understanding, I think was the best. Yeah. There's, there's sides to all of understanding this. of their approach and their, their situation. Yeah. Do you but, expect them to come on and say this would cost us money and therefore we opposed it? You know what? But, um, are you talking about the lawsuit? Yeah, but no, you were going to ask. General. Like, so, yeah, no. Gonna, uh, yeah, yes. Okay. I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, and I'm sorry, man, the, the overall, the vert, the, like, so he, he, and I knew about it, but he explained it in detail, the sort of, uh, the, what's it called? The virtual funding or what's, what's the uh, vertical, the, vertical, the, the, the vertical integration, vertical integration. Yeah. just going through all of the steps for, for medical, not for recreational, of course, but for medical, you have to have the retail store. You have to have the grow. You have to have the process. Like you are, you own the whole like triple layers. Yeah. Of it. You and also used to have to be a nonprofit, but that's a key. The whole thing yeah. started. Like when when medical started, no one was talking about any of these issues, like economic empowerment, and that, that wasn't existing. Yeah. So they were just, you know, like most things in Massachusetts, who's got the most money? Those are the people we yeah, trust. So, so, and, and the problem so, is like, with the, the with system, economic connection. You're talking about vertical, verticalization. Yeah. yeah. Like that exists now in the medical, and a lot of the, <clears throat> you know, these big legal are the same way because they were already set up that way for medical. But what we're doing and what the, the, latest changes are going to be is deverticalizing. So there's going to be opportunities for people just to grow. There's mm-hmm. going to be opportunities for people just to make, you know, lollipops, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's different licenses in cultivation, uh, manufacturing, and then micro licenses, SE delivery only. Like, so basically what we're doing is we're breaking it up. Like, like it's like, remember AT&T was like this big cartel and then yeah. they sell off parts and made like 10 other new awesome companies. Bell, right. Yeah. right? But it, yeah. So that's what's going on basically. And there's different ways you can do that. You know, there's 8 million different ways you can, you know, the worst way is just to break up a company and say, you have to sell off your parts. We're not doing that. We're just saying, you know, in certain markets, you know, especially like a big city like Cambridge that has all this money, 
Mm-hmm. It's it's a place that everyone wants to be. MIT, Harvard, that's where the money is. So, yeah. so for I them mean, the just problem- to say we're going to give an opportunity for two years for the smaller guys to yeah. catch up to try to get a plant a seed is you know kind of the idea on that, anyways. But okay. ideally, we're it, unfortunately, and I say we, I'm I'm talking about the cannabis reform community. You know, in general, Shaleen Title, Grant Smith, you could you name a hundred people. We had a hundred people we nominated on our little poll we just did. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, basically we, we have to go at a piecemeal approach. I we have Grant to go on there. every year, make it a little better, add something else, you know, and that's how we're right. kind of chipping away at it. Right, Grant? You want to add well, yeah, on and, that? And what I, I didn't want to take away from the point you were making um, earlier, which was you asked, so if the solution isn't that fun that they proposed uh, in Cambridge, because that was not a good solution, a voluntary mm-hmm. dispensary overseen fund that they misled the city council about in a September 5th, 2019 letter, where they said they had signed an agreement with the Central Square Business Improvement District to oversee their fund, only for three days later on September 8th for the bid to send a letter to the city council that I still have saying that they had never entered into an agreement to oversee the fund. So that's not the solution in my opinion. My solution is a three-pronged approach that directly addresses why we, res- why we have got to the point where there's this fundamental imbalance in the licensing between these rich white medical companies and economic empowerment and social equity applicants. Number one, Senate Bill 2650 in Massachusetts, that is the social equity loan fund. Mm -hmm. The the biggest problem facing applicants in equity, social equity, economic empowerment, social equity, microbusinesses, disadvantaged business enterprises. They get loans. Right now is that that they collapse. And they they collapse because the licensing process takes so long in the municipal level at the CCC. And so when they get desperate, they have to go to vulture capitalists who look at them as an opportunity to undermine license limits and things like that. So the state social equity loan fund would provide no interest loans to EE and SE applicants that they could then pay back to help the, help the fund sustain itself in perpetuity to prevent that barrier from existing. Number two, to address the second issue that we were talking about a little earlier, mandatory municipal equity priority periods. There's currently no requirement that local cities and towns when issuing HCAs do so in a way that reflects the kind of commitment to equity that the CCC has to do in law. So that's the second change. The third change specifically is- Is this uh, part of your application, Mike, by the way? What's that? Well, is this let part me of get, your application? I don't know. What's it, Grant? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> well, let we had so much stuff in there. What did we leave in and put in? Well, let me get to the third What's part. What's the third point? Yeah. Ties it all together, which is that as Mike was talking about, dating back to 2012, there has never once been an equity, uh, social equity or economic empowerment program for licensing in the medical arena. So I want for a period of three to five years, were uh, the bill to de-verticalize medical licenses, which is H4523, to pass. I would want to see for three to five years those licenses going exclusively to economic empowerment and social equity applicants. Those three things together will fix that imbalance, in my opinion. And do de-verticalize, which is which is the key, right. like to allow a lot of people get in on you know their skill or specialty. If they just want to be an edible maker, let them do edibles. They don't have to grow it and sell it. They just make them. So uh, yeah, we're with Eric and Scott from Super Lemon Hayes podcast. I want to ask more questions about this interview and kind of give out some information too. Cause I think I, what I like about Grant is he's sticking to like the main Cambridge. Oh fight. man. He's, he's got the, that's, that's, that's a lot of information. Nasty, that Grant's doing it right now. I love yeah. it. Hopefully he'll write a book one day that I'll read. <laughs> you got to tap that shit you out. Follow him on Facebook. He gives yeah. it to you for free. 
<laughs> I, will definitely be re I will definitely be re-looking at this so that I catch everything. <laughs> exactly. I yeah, Reprocess right? all of what Grant So Grant just solved the uh, problems he, of the universe, yeah. actually. He's my <laughs> secret weapon over here. He the, just uh, solved pie. I think you're making him blush for the first time. Oh, my God. This is oh, wow. First time, He's huh? blushing. Look at him. There we go. Grant, I sent you a Christmas card, too, in the mail. I'm sure you know how to make him blush, Mike, with those Christmas cards. I did. I sent him a Christmas card. I'll make sure you get that this week. I'm serious. I celebrate Christmas in June. So. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we're um, talking to Eric and Scott from the Super Lemon Haze podcast and, and revolutionary clinics and stuff, kind of the more salacious stuff that I was reporting about them. And I didn't put out a story yet, you know, because sometimes you, you get these little nuggets of information you don't really know. Yeah. Like that's. Your, sto your, stories I, I, are, your, your, your stories between, the, I think, the two major players in corporate cannabis netta and and probably rev clinics right yeah netta um, i actually did stories on because yeah, that netta, stuff is so black and white you know what right, i mean but that's more about like that's health right that's yeah, about the employees complaining exactly. about health. what what you were talking about was more like the their the the controversy of like kind of the dirt they're, they're working the, dirty at the dirt of like yeah. getting up buying there other is stuff, stuff and, with it, you know related to employees but like yeah um you know, a lot of times I'll put that stuff out on the Facebook or even talk about it on the podcast because I know it's factual, but I don't really know where it's going to go. That's yeah. why I haven't written a story. You know, that's why, you know, we haven't gone and interviewed those guys or even like try to uh, strong push, even though I know they wouldn't. Yeah. But so I you suspect there, they you might thought, now. You thought there was some shade in the investing side of it, right? Yeah. And, and, and also on asked. that sexual assault oh, allegation yeah, yeah, yeah. situation. Yeah. So I ran into... Uh, this, you know, yesterday I ran into a couple of revolutionary clinics, people, folks, employees, one in management. Uh, and he, he actually did tell me some things, which I thought were interesting, uh, gave me a few answers. I'm wondering if you got any answers, but the first thing he said, uh, was that Bert, he's the gentleman that had the alleged sexual assault. I believe he was the CFO at the time. Um, he said that he did get fired and that he got fired for the actual sexual assault allegation incident whatever we call that so i thought that was interesting because when i did ambush those two guys on the street they wouldn't talk about it um so we did seem to get an answer on that it's kind um, of hard to get an answer out of a sexual assault like uh from i'm not i believe me that's not something that i'm laughing about but i think the um it's difficult to have a conversation if you just like shove a camera in someone's face and ask him serious questions about sexual assault is what i was trying Definitely. to say yeah. I, I hear him on that but even even afterwards, like you know, what what I would have expected is some some kind of uh, answer on it. We got answers in other ways at that point. We talked about that as well. Um, but you know, one of the other questions I asked him point blank, I said, "Well, tell me about the Vinings. Does you know David Vining have anything to do with ownership? Uh, what about this Chris Vining and this email he's been sending out highlighting revolutionary clinics?" And he said that they had nothing to do with the Vinings. He said, Chris Vining has nothing to do with the revolutionary clinics. I, I said, you know, you should check out the email that he's sending around because it makes it look like you guys are connected. And he seemed very kind of concerned about that. Like he was like, really? Like, so, you know, I'm probably going to reach out to him this week and, and, and forward him that email. And, you know, maybe we may have someone from revolutionary clinics on our show to kind of, I would gain a lot them. of respect for them. If they were someone who were willing to come on the show, we will treat them fairly. I mean, I'll definitely have a lot of documents that I'm going to want to go over, but we will treat them fairly. Exactly. And, you know, so to be honest, Mike, that's actually um, that during our conversation when when he 
you know, we were flowing and we were talking about some of the stuff that was going on. And, and when he threw out your name, it was around that, around that side. He was, he was, that was actually where I think there was some, some backpedaling. And, and again, we listening to it. I'm like, wow, I think this is also like 40 or 50 minutes getting into it. Uh, you know, when you came up, cause what I did bring up was that uh, the Patriot, I, I asked him if he ever watched that Patriot Act um, uh, Netflix special. It's like 25 minutes by that guy Hassan, right? Uh, I think you, you posted that, right? Yes, yes, we did. Part of it. Where they compared big cannabis to the cartel. That's right. And, and you know, again, in a 25-minute, and it's not really investigative, um, but they did obviously in, in, introduce, you know, Kobe Evans and, and those guys. So, I mean, I was, I was happy to see some, some of that publicity. But, you know, they really painted a really bad picture, um, which I think is fair, right? And based on what you guys know and what, you know, in the little time that we've been doing this, what we've heard, um, and I asked him if he, and if he watched that, and he didn't um, have an answer for me. If that makes he, any sense. He hadn't seen it? Uh, you know, it was hard to gauge. And then that's where I started leading into the topic about funding. And, um, you know, I could, again, it was sort of, I started to see a backpedaling. Um, and, and then, to be honest, I mean, this is just where it went. It was like, and then I got a little bit more conservative, and then a little bit more conservative, and then he pulled himself back in the box. And then what I was asking you guys in the beginning is if you, cause you guys are alive, but you know, I've never been asked to forward uh, our show to anybody who's been on our show. We've had a number of guests and to preview it before we posted it. And it didn't sound to me like, and this was never going to be this, like this was like an hour before it was supposed to air because I sent out the link. I tweeted the link. Everyone knew when it was coming out. I actually got reposted um, about our interview on the Rev Clinics' Instagram story. So it's like everyone knew that this was going to happen. It was a late request. Oh. Yeah, it was a 7.30. It was going to go live 7.30. So we had promoted all day. All we day. the interview the night before. Yeah. Did, what did you do day, when they asked that? Did you send it to them or did you tell them no? Well, you know what it was? It was, it was Tom. And I think just, again, this was my weakness, right? So probably as a more mature in this industry kind of thing because it's the first time that we're getting involved in this obviously on the level um i think i was just unprepared on how to respond to that because i wanted to maintain my level of trust and and commitment to the guests um and i probably shouldn't have released it if i was if i was doing this longer i probably would have said you know you'll air i'll air it and and you know we'll just deal with it i watched it it's fine there's nothing you know like but i think i just kind of kowtow to that and i and i gave in and i sent, the, I sent the link i don't know um, i mean i, yeah, I, go, I, I look back and i think that was that was the problem that well, I mean, being transparent that. though i'm Credit glad you're transparent about it we can, yeah it's an idea that we can keep a bridge built though i believe i yeah. believe but that was my thing as i once i released it that was my thought i was like did i just did i just give up something that we should hold on to, which is like kind of like freedom. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously I understand what you're saying, Grant, about being transparent, but I knew the minute I, 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 I sent in that link, I'm like, there's no way this is going on air. I'm like, there's, there's no way. There's a big difference. Do you feel that you compromised in the situation or that you compromised yourself in the situation? Really good point. Um, I think it's a compromise. We just certainly yeah. didn't compromise ourselves because yeah. we weren't going to we weren't going to edit it up and or chop right. it up. So one that the, was that one was of the first... only question. One of the only conversations we had while I was in Maine and away this weekend was we're not going to bastardize this thing or chop it up or anything like that. Yeah. Either he goes with it or he doesn't. Maybe, and that was that you know, was maybe request. a minute or two. If there's something like just some some weird space or something, just to clean it up a little. But we would never like you know take out questions and yeah. conversations. So. 
at that point yeah. it's a no-go and then I, I mean again i the in the moment I, the only other thing i threw out as an idea was if, if you keep a bridge built he still feels like he owes us some conversation yeah there you go trying to keep that relationship at least we can keep some kind of a, a dialogue or a conversation going i don't know what that's worth for the future or not but in the moment yeah. that was well he owes idea. you at this point i, I, I you <laughs> gotta say that because you know I go with, you know, Chris Ferrone has saved me so many times with the written stories. No, more, you know, he's the, the editor, editor from The Dig. Yeah. So yeah. I run into the situation when I'm about to put out a story, like in, the, in print, because it's the same kind of idea, right? Yeah. They want to see the story. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I used to send people, you know, sections or stories. Mm-hmm. And he caught wind of that and was like, no, like, don't ever do that. Like, yeah. just if, if they really, if they're really hands on, read it to them. Get them on the phone and read the section. But beyond that, don't go any further than that. Don't give them any control. You own this, you know. So, you know, unless, you know, you're fact-checking something, you know, that's a little different when you're asking them. But uh, my advice to you guys for the future is be like, no, we don't do that. We have a policy. Yeah, we no. don't do that. We, we just don't allow it. But, you know, it's up to you. Like, I'm not telling you how you should do it. But yeah, that's just my, for me, it does make sense and it does work. And I totally get where you're coming from because yeah. And the going live thing is a, that's, that's awesome. I mean, like you guys really could do it. You are, more than, it. you are more yeah. than talented enough to go live. And I can assure you that you will not run into any of those issues if you are live, because just the yeah. fact that you are live will weed out the type of people who don't have the heart to do that kind of interview. It's yeah. funny too. Those guys thought they were going on uh, pro cannabis media network and they realized they were on, <laughs> The super loving haze, and they were going to have a hard that's your, time. That's your fault, Mike. <laughs> you got it in my head. But you know, I'll be honest. And again, I just want to summarize this. But you know, I asked, I asked a lot of the questions that came out of our interview together, and some of the follow up that we've had. And he answered them in a way that I actually think you would have totally understood and appreciated. And I almost think that, like in the future, if there's ever an ability to have a conversation with anyone from Rev Clinics, if that's the company that you're looking for, I mean. You probably have to go through the CEO, but like, man, Tom was fucking real. He was real. He was honest. Maybe we can help build the bridge. Maybe we can help build the bridge. That's possible too. If you were a company that was taking heat for business decisions that undermined equity, what would you do? So you're asking, see, that's the thing. And you're asking me a question that that a lawyer has to answer when it's coming to corporate America. I have nothing to lose. So I'm going to go on with you, Grant, any day, any time. But obviously anyone else from a corporation who has a lot to lose, whether it's your job or anything, I mean, like, yeah, you can lose your company. So no, I wouldn't them, go I- on. Yeah. I, I, I think the insight is that the corporate world works better with propaganda than it does with journalism. And fundamentally, whenever you print something that someone else wants you to print, you're abdicating your duty as a journalist. But when you start talking about or printing things they don't want printed, that's when you've earned your stripes, in my opinion. Well, unfortunately, I, I, I mean, I agree with what you, what you said, but most journalists today are only writing from a single perspective. So I don't know. I mean, everyone, everyone right now, there's very little gray in the world. <laughs> there's a lot of very little open-mindedness, Mike, which was what we talked about. You know, there's a lot of closed-mindedness going on right now. But I mean, just to get back to, I think the major point of this whole thing and the reason why I wanted to have Rev Clinics on because you know, the, the separation between what's happening between corporate cannabis, which I believe has to exist for, for, for cannabis, the cannabis industry to grow 
and, and, and eventually also to become federally legal. I think corporate cannabis has to exist. Uh, and any corporation at any level at that high of a level is going to be corrupt, right? I mean, you can't deal, we're dealing with technology, we're dealing with oil, and I mean, all this shit, this, it's a commodity. I mean, cannabis can save this fucking country in a weird fucking way. That's why we when, regulate them though, right? I, yeah. And that's why they don't regulate themselves if our government's functioning correctly. Government, I mean, I mean, that's what lobbyists do, man. Every, right, every, but every, this, every, you're, you're, you're dealing with a community who's better at what they do than lobbyists. We are. We're winning now, lately. We were behind at first. We definitely. Um, we have some comments, too. Oh, yeah, let's go. Hugh Giordano, who's, uh, he works with UFCW. I love Hugh. He's, we, we have some funny conversations. I love uh, talking to Hugh, actually. I'm glad I met him this year. Uh, he's from New Jersey. He's a Jersey guy. Totally nice. funny guy from Jersey. He says, hopefully both hosts of Super Lemon Haze continue to stay neutral and trust, uh, trustworthy when talking about serious issues in cannabis. Glad they are openly speaking about the Rev Clinics issues. So they seem to be supporting you. They, they, Hugh likes you, I guess. <laughs> Got some new fans. I think, the, yeah. I think Scott and I, our point has always been, like you said, Mike, and, and it's just education. I mean, that's my, my 20 years in the healthcare industry. I'm a public health professional. I've been educating my whole life. I do that today. I've done that when I was born, basically. Um, Scott's in corporate America too. Like the two of us are, and he's a, I mean, we're, 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 we're not trying to steer this conversation in any direction. I think what we're trying to do is make it work for all of us because like Mike, this is, you said this and I believe this, but like we just, lo we love cannabis, right? There's, oh, yeah. there's no denying that. I mean, so, so. That's why I was only... late for the show today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I fell asleep, you woke slept. up, I said, I gotta get my two joints before the show. <laughs> Seriously. But, but, the, but both sides have to exist. And that's the thing. Both, but the, the, the question is, and this is actually the, the, the part of the conversation that I would love to play the most, is that I asked Tom about the gap. And he's like, no one ever asked me about the gap. Like, what's the gap between, I mean, and he's speaking, speaking specifically about Massachusetts. He's only talking about his company uh, and, and obviously the people who are trying to, or the, or the few people, one or two of them that have been successful at starting a company, the e-people. He's like, he's like, where's the gap? And he could actually specifically put a point on where the gap was. And that was, that was interesting to me because the person at that high up, and this is, and this is the question I have for you guys too, is that if, if, if you guys can both identify and potentially agree on where this gap lies, maybe there can be a healthy conversation to bridge that. Where yeah, it seems what, if, what if you go to them and say something like, would you support a social equity loan fund? They're going to think about that from the, and this is true of any company, from the perspective of does a social equity loan fund that helps our competition come into business without us getting any stake in it in all, at There's all? There's no way an EEI company, an EE company is, is competing with Rev Clinics. Right. No, no, and you know what? I think the other part of that, Grant, I'm going to stop you there. Grant, because I think the other part of that is it's good business, especially long term. Like you're thinking right. Short term, Grant, you're right. right. It probably doesn't help them. But longer term, when there is competition, People are gonna remember the good, the good players versus yeah, the, when you have a choice. Listen, when you can shop to ten places in Boston, you're gonna. A lot of people are gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna to go to Kobe. I'm gonna to go to the people I trust. The so people let me who cross pollinate. Stood. You can cross pollinate in the future yeah, so, too with different marketing and advertising. Right. Totally. And let me through. let me get into like again something that I thought was super interesting. So, um, you know, Mike, you you went up to Haverhill, right, to yeah. interview was it Caroline who opened yeah. up the store. You had a great show, 15 minutes. I recommend anyone watching that because it was, it was quick. It was during my warm-up before my run. 
Um, but you introduced some some great guests, and the one thing that I that I called you, that I asked you about was in her thank you speech because obviously she's super pregnant. She worked super hard. I don't know if this is like a multiple year thing. I'm sure this has been a lot of stress. Yeah, she's been getting and, sued too. She got yes. sued by Danvers, uh, one who, who uh, <laughs> during the time he he's suing her, right? He gets arrested yeah. for assaulting a police officer, drunken uh, late night uh, visit to his house for a domestic. And so these are the the business owners that are right next to her suing her. We did uh, two protests of them. And, you know, I'm a wrestler. I'm not afraid. But those guys are intimidating. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, opposition but, she was facing from her own neighbors. And and so I guess what I'm trying to say, and, and this is sort of to everyone's point, but so she's, she's she, imagine all of that. She's carrying all of that and about to have a baby, right? And she's thanking the first couple people, right? And then I asked Mike, I'm like, she just thanks Sierra Naturals? Did she just thank Rev Clinics? And, and it made me remember the conversation that, that Scott and I were having with Tom, but like, that's a logical bridge because what, what your answer was when I asked you that question was what? What, what did you say? They provided the product for her to sell. And why was it only them who could provide the product? Because they obtained a monopoly by manipulating the regulatory structure. So yes, it's great. Grant, do you think think she was lying when she said thank you to Red Clinics? No, I'm sure they helped her. We know they helped her. I'm sure she was grateful, but this is the insight. And maybe it's a microcosm of my point about this. It's not bad for the industry to value its profits and to value strategic business relationships. I don't think that's bad at all. But the problem is it creates a conflict of interest when talking about public policy. And the reason why it's so dangerous is something like what happened last year, a bill that Mike and I paid very close attention to from the minute it was first proposed, which was H4168. Hannah Kane, the prohibitionist Republican from uh, Shrewsbury, proposed a bill that would have brought the state police and the tax agencies together on this commission to target unlicensed sellers with basically drug war enforcement. And we know that that would end up in unequal enforcement and the very same problems that we legalized cannabis to begin with to solve. To stop and who, who was the co-sponsor of that legislation? The Commonwealth Dispensary Association. And the reason why I bring that up in this context is that yes, Maybe there are strategic relationships that benefit these businesses. I respect their ability to have them. But what I don't respect is when that mindset becomes toxic to the point where it puts profits above good public policy and profits above the interest of patients. So great. Let them help get shops like that open. I support that. But at the same time, if they continue to use their position to advocate for things like H4168, I will 100% continue to call for people to boycott That's them. right. I mean, I, I think that uh, it's a carrot and stick approach. I mean, they can do the right thing. I want them to do the right thing. I want to have the conversations. I feel better, honestly, about See, I don't believe, I don't believe this week than I did last week. Honestly, just, just from your conversation, but as, as well as the conversation I had yesterday with them. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm about actions. We'll see what they do. You know, there's a lot they can do. How about they drop the suit? You know, uh, Grant, you got to talk to the mic again. You, I know. So I let me just let, let me Rev make a point before Grant. Wait, Grant. Let's take a turn. I don't you, know. You See, you could I get wanna... me. I I could probably work with Rep. No, no, no. I don't think Grant ever will. Go ahead, Grant. <laughs> oh, sorry. You, well, you, what are your stances on what's what's your stances on uh, prohibition in general? 
Well, before I say that, let me just say, Rev Clinic, you dropped that suit. Oh, Rev Clinic, okay. you dropped that suit against Cambridge, and I will apologize and never say another negative thing about you. So, but yes, you uh, please ask your so question. So Grant's again, got a sorry. price too. <laughs> <laughs> what were you asking about prohibition now? The answer, <laughs> the answer that Grant gave was basically, we're just going to we're going to boycott um, all corporate cannabis control any no, no, any no 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 so what was that well, that let me just summarize it that do things like 4168 hey i agree with that i mean i don't think people you know i understand law enforcement and even some prohibition on things because there is some risk from let's say the the black market cartridges you know there's still some risk you don't know what products you're getting but to have corporations that are profiting off of legal to, to be the ones backing it. That's, that's like gross to me. That's like yeah. disgusting. It'd be different if it was like, you know, my child lost his lungs and I started this program, you know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's not, it's the corporations asking for it. So that to me, and especially knowing that there's an answer for that. There's an easy, they, they could take out the gray market in two seconds. A lot of the gray market, we've been talking about this, Grant and I, we have some proposals to deal with this. Describe what, you mean by, what do you mean by gray market? Uh, it's not legal, but oh. how many busts are there now? Gray market. How yeah. hard is it to convict somebody? Yeah. Even if okay. they make the arrest, even if they get a hundred plants, like almost every time I talk to the attorneys all the time, like the plants get returned, the charges get dropped. They just string people along for two to three years. You know, you have to go to court. Which so the fear tactic basically. Yeah. It's, you know, the cops can basically do what they want, but can they get a conviction? You know, yeah. most judges are like, we voted for this and juries forget it. No jury is going to convict yeah. unless it's really, you know, out of, you know, crazy, mm -hmm. but you know, federal Thanks. is different. You know, they could always go federal charges, federal. Uh, you can still get convictions federally, especially if you have a lot of plants, but state, especially it's hard for them to convict, but you know, what we're talking about too recently, and this was part of the application process, is how do we reduce that gray market? There's a couple simple ways. Number one, a lot of the gray market we know, because Grant and I talk to a lot of patients and Grant's one of them, um, it's people like Grant who are on a disability. Mm -hmm. they're, they're making $1,000 less. You know, How do you go to a dispensary mm -hmm. and get a $100 quarter when your gross is $800 a month? Mm -hmm. you know you're not you, you can't afford it so what are you doing you're going to the guy on the street who charges you half the price yeah. and so if they want to get rid of that competition the first thing i can do is drop the prices mm -hmm. and drop the prices just for poor people you know like i'm fine with a millionaire grandpa who wants to pay a hundred dollars mm -hmm. eight that, that's fine or a quarter that's okay he he's happy he likes it because you know he's got the money but uh you know some some poor person who's disabled they shouldn't have to go to the street. So that's or one the vets way. Could, too, right? You talk, you brought up the get Stephen Mendilly right on, right? Right. And the other way is Same they thing. could just let more open. Like they should be pushing to have more, more stores, more, the more of these that we have, the less you're going to have a gray market. I mean, these are much better ways than arresting people. And especially when they arrest, who do they usually get? They get the lowest person on the rung. Lowest. They get the person who doesn't have anyone to turn in. You know, mm -hmm. even when you get, you know, Pablo Escobar or whoever it is, they always get off because they have someone that they can turn in. That's big, right? The little yeah. guy never has given given the next guy's name, right? Right. 
And that's why the mindset fundamentally doesn't work. And that's why it's not that I'm just anti-prohibition, because I obviously feel that the prohibitionist mindset is abhorrent, but it's that people who weaponize prohibition to benefit their bottom line, it disgusts me. And I'm not afraid to say it. I'm, I'm with you. It's just, I guess, from, from, from this conversation, I could say the one thing that I know will, will could change is, is, is a conversation. I know, at least from, from our perspective. And I think that that sliding scale idea for, mm-hmm. you know, lower income for vets, I, um, I, I like, and that's why Stephen Mandeli, he was on your show. He's going to come on our show actually this, this week awesome. um, to continue th- just to, to press that message of, I mean, they have to be on that, that bill has to pass, right? I mean, they, right. they have to be. Well, no, having, that's not a sliding scale. Um, no, that's just have access to have their name yeah. so that right, they're, without... they're considered eligible to, to, to apply for the medical card. Yep. Yep. But, but I think that's something that I, I mean, I feel like that's, that's something that we can work on. That's a good one. And another great thing that uh, is related to sliding scales, now that you mention it, I'm actually working on a proposal right now for dispensaries that make uh, co-located medical and adult use dispensaries that make more than 50 to 75 million in revenue per year across their locations in the Commonwealth would have to set aside one to 2% of their stock for sale to qualified economic or medical hardship patients. And that economic or medical hardship program would be a sliding scale based on income administered by the commission. And what's so great about this is that this is what those medical companies back under the DPH agreed to provide originally, but never they didn't did. do it. They've, they've, their hardship programs suck. Like a lot of them have lists. They don't give mm-hmm. much. It's just not, yeah, some of them don't have any of them, anything. And they promised it. You're right. No one's so kept them. You, you have that, you have that written up in a doc? Uh, I, I have a, a, a working proposal that some patients came to me and asked me yeah. to draft. And uh, on top of that, I got some pushback, funny enough, from some people. Yeah, who we were saw saying, that on Facebook. Peter these Bernard. Compa- these companies. The Mass Patients are, Advocacy Alliance. Same, uh, the same, aren't they the same people? <laughs> uh, well, that, no, uh, they're friends groups, of them. A few different groups. And that um, doctor who charges three three fifty an hour? <laughs> well, the same group that opposed the... Stephen Mandilli's bill, and their argument was that if we did this, it would lead to North Korea-style communism. Yeah. yeah. And what I said back was, okay, first of all, they agreed to do this originally, right? So you're only asking them to live up to what they originally agreed to. Second of all, it's only for people that make 75 or something more, a million dollars or more a year. And third of all, these medical companies, first of all, they started as nonprofits. Second of all, there's never been equity in their ownership, as we talked about. And third of all, they got to use their medical licenses to monopolize the adult use market. Which, and I now when we you, come to ask for if just companies that make over $50 million a year Grant, can provide you, a man, mandatory hardship you, program, they get upset about it. <laughs> Grant, what, could you, you throw do with, You do with this every episode? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm on my own. At least Scott, I can manage. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, we have a, uh, I got some numbers from... Uh, source and I can't reveal yet about how much Netta made last year and the year before. So we're going to have the numbers pretty soon. Like I'm going to be able to share. What do you think they made last year? Um, let's see. How many locations Broke. do they have? Just, open? just each location, like or like both locations. Just, just uh, two Brooklyn's sale really, locations. Brooklyn's probably got like in the in the hundreds. Six, I, mean, six, I mean, if you're looking at 2019, so you got both 60 locations. million in revenue. Yeah, close. I'm not going to say the number, but yeah, I mean, uh, and 40, the, 40, 40 to 50% of that is coming from Brookline. <laughs> you know how I got that number, Mike? Oh, 
I was at the planning board hearing for Rev Clinics, and their CEO had to tell the planning board an estimate of what they thought Netta made per month. There you go. <laughs> so we're talking a lot of money. Um, you know, one of the things I came back with Peter at, he, he said, this will, you know, like you said, he's, this is going to make communism once you, uh, you know, charge different, force the government to charge different prices to different people. They'll do it to everything. And I'm like, you know what? No, this is different. Like the, Elizabeth Warren's talking about the same thing for pharmaceuticals. The medicine is different than uh, Netflix. Medicine is different than buying a new computer. Yes. You know, like this is the only reason this will go in this country because people I've, I've seeing people get sick and die without and not have it or have to go to the guy down the street. You know, th it's different. Medicine the is different. Shift that, not... The biggest shift that has to happen, Mike, is that is that people have to understand that this isn't a, a luxury or just a you know just something we do to do to entertain yourself for a few minutes. It's or for a Saturday night. It's not going to a movie. Right. You know, it's, it, that's the that's the whole reason why we're in this mess. I think is because that there's just not enough that understand what we're trying to do with the you know the the medical or the mental health and, and piece of this really. And just like the insulin issue or the EpiPen issue, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen this over and over recently where, you know, one or two people have control over something that affects a lot of people and they jack up the price. Mm -hmm. And so yep. that needs to change. And if, if, if the government has to step in on the short term and, and bring in some of these, you know, price controls or whatever we're calling them to, to lessen the price for people who can't afford it, then mm -hmm. I'm definitely supporting it. And I am... I, I want to make sure, like, I am not anti-business. I'm a business guy. I own business. Uh, I've worked in business my whole life. I, I like capitalism. I just think that at certain things, like antitrust, I think antitrust is a great thing. It should exist in capitalism. You know, you have to have some regulators. You have to have some rules. Otherwise, everyone's going to rip everyone off, and they're just going to say, that's business, you know? You know the, yeah. the, the one thing, and uh, again, this is sort of the public health of me, but I guess us being so young and just getting into this just like, you know, half a year ago. And I, 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 I'm, I pay attention a lot to language. And I think Mike, and, and I got this from one of the earlier podcasts when I started to do this, some research on my own, but you changed your language and how you spoke about weed. You no longer use the word. Everything's cannabis. That was important, right? And also I the other- push back on that too. No, I know, but that's, you know, you mentioned it even when you're speaking to people from like, Charlie, you know, Charlene title all the way down to the people who are opening up the stores, anyone, to, you'll, to consumers. You'll still, see, you'll still see me slip in weed sometimes. Yeah, but like you did it, you've done as a, as, as a person who is applying to be on this kind of contribution, I can understand why I think, you know, you would be a great candidate because like truthfully, like I think you represent, I mean, you've got, you've always, you're always going to have Grant. And I know Grant, you would have been there, but because of the little restriction on being, being a Democrat, right? Wasn't that it? Uh, I'm not a Democrat anymore, but I didn't unenroll early enough. Unenroll, right. Yeah. So, but I think, I think, Mike, you're a great candidate for that because I think the way that you speak to to, to people, I think is just, it's incredible. And, and the other thing was just using the word medical. You you make every, and again, if it's, I know it's, it's purposeful, but it's also from like a PR perspective, it's like brilliant. Like you're basically, you're, you're, you're changing and reshaping the way that people are talking about weed, which is 
That's and that's the, that's that's the word that carries the stigma. Yeah, for Not, what it's worth, it, I've had to. I, it's, I use that. I mean, I've switched to cannabis, and a lot of that is, is listening and, and 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 reading some of your stuff too, Mike. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, and I'm not going to take the credit for that. You know, what I I'll take the credit for is having an open mind and listening to experts and people that come on the show. Uh, they've affected me. They've changed my opinion on so many things, and I think that's the key: is that we all have to listen to each other. And realize our strengths and weaknesses and like grant grant is really good at certain things like keeping track of every super bill i'm not trying to do that <laughs> I'm, sure we I'm not trying to compete i'm gonna go back i'm gonna look at I'm all the, those numbers that you said grant yeah. see if any of them are wrong and i'm gonna text you right away <laughs> yeah you won't find it very rarely i'm sure i know it won't <laughs> yeah it's you gotta no really put some time in so yeah, i think we all just kind of though he might have someone in his ear i don't know is there a button there <laughs> Um, no, but I will, uh, I will say, uh, you asked if it was always like this, um, when we touch on topics that have to do with, you know, fair market versus regulated market or fair market versus captured market or patient access, I get a little animated, but there are some shows where it's more just, you know, I know I've listened back to many and forth. Of I'm just giving you shit. This is his, <laughs> yeah, this is his spot. Yeah. Well, that's passion. To be honest, that's yeah. the reason why we're having this conversation. Fired about stuff. Fucking great. passion. It's fire. And Mike, that's the reason why. I'm glad you mentioned it on your last podcast with, with Steven, but like, you know, you and I are going to try to kind of do some co stuff, right? We're going to, Oh yeah. We'll post it on your podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm going to send you our shit because like I said, you know, we'll, we'll probably, we'll always, I mean, just different people having, having the same conversation is going to be completely different if that makes any sense. Right. I mean, even if we're coming with the same direction, people are going to hear it differently from different people. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, cause you know, you just, you just uh, interviewed Steven. We're going to have Steven on on Thursday. So it'll be cool to have those episodes back to back to see if, if it goes in a different direction. Different angles on approaches yeah. and things. Yeah. So I think Very it's smart. Cool. So uh, we're talking to uh, Eric and Scott for the Super Lemon Hayes podcast, which airs on the Kirk Minahan YouTube channel. If you don't know, Kirk Minahan is a very big deal in Boston. Uh, you either love him or you hate him. Uh, podcast Jesus, as he's known as. And he really lives up to that Praise name. Praise Jesus. Mean, he's the king around here. People are he's afraid good, of man. him. Yeah, the Globe, yeah, the Red Sox, they're all afraid of Kirk Minahan. Well, I am a little bit, too. I've always been like, shit, if he really gets mad at me. But I think I'm good now with Kirk. I don't think you know, we're going to have any issues because of you guys. I like you guys so much. I'm not, I have no reason to get mad at Kirk now. He, he brought you guys into our lives. <laughs> one of, our, one of the bridges that we've built in our uh, in yeah. our repertoire. yeah. <laughs> everyone, every, like Mike, I think like you're saying, everyone is open. You just have to find the, the keyhole and you have to have the key, right? So uh, I think we can, I mean, I wanna, I'm, I'm excited to kind of be on this journey with you guys too because I know you guys have been at it forever. You know, we're looking forward to helping out any way that we can too. So, you know, we'll just keep the conversation open and going. And, you know, if there's questions like the mic, you know, before I even had time on, remember I was DMing you. I'm like, oh yeah. What do you want me to ask him? Where do you want me to go with this? Because not to say that, you know, Scott and I didn't already have our own conversations to set up the episode because we knew this was going to be big, but I wanted to have your perspective and I wanted to have a little bit of, of you. In, yeah. And that's what we a, do a lot too. If we have someone on, we know someone's interested in it, we'll hit them up and say like, you're the expert on this. What questions do you want asked? And I think that's a big key for anyone trying to do a show today is, you know, find your community, find your experts and listen to them. They know what they're talking yeah. about. We, nobody is going to know everything about everything. Right. Like I don't know crap about how to fix my car. I go to, a <laughs> you know what I mean? I've, I've, you know, done some brake jobs, but you know, that was cause I had to. 
Now I just and I don't even there. leave my house. Yeah. Now, now I like. Yeah. Now I just. Uh, who, yeah. Who does these days? Much, I mean. Yeah. But I, I forgot what I was going to say too. I had something nice to say about you guys. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I would just say we were talking about crossover a little bit. We did get some great, um, you know, just for what it's worth. Like we got some good, good, good feedback about having you on and, and kind of building that bridge and, and kind of re, you know, reconnect on some of that stuff from uh, from the past there too. So um, good feedback from the fan network and the minute fans, as you would, as you have. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do next. I can't wait to see your next episode with Steven Mendeley. That's going to be awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for having us on. Great. Great. Pleasure to meet you. Very nice to meet you guys. Oh, I know. Hopefully. I know. I had one more question oh, before I let you go. go. I always do. Go ahead. You're, 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 you guys you're, just you're ran not. in the Kirk. Wait, you, you just not. you just set the clock for another yeah. thirty minutes, Mike. Yeah, no, 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 because you know me. I'm. I'm. I'm in you get the, one more question. Yeah. Let's go. It's about sports, you know, because I oh. like sports. I used yeah. to be a big athlete, but since I hurt my back, I really don't do crap, honestly. But I always keep saying I'm going to come back and do like a 5K or something. I, I mm. Joey was doing one. I was going to do, but I never did it. Like I just say I'm going to. Because before I got hurt, my goal was to run the marathon, you know? So now I'm like, all right, maybe a 5K. You guys just did something with Kirk yeah, Mayhew, right? What was that all about? That. I saw your 420 bib. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it all started as a joke, but basically, you know, it's on the Barstool Network, the Kirk Minahan show. And I think they were just, Kirk and Dave Portnoy, they have a pretty uh, amazing relationship. It's very funny. Uh, it's the reason why this relationship works. I don't think Kirk, right now would have worked anywhere else except in some sort of private subscription service. Um, Barstool was the right place for them, for him to land. And, and so I think during one interview back in the day, uh, Kirk predicted Dave Portnoy's death because he was just commenting on, I don't know, his behaviors lately or just fucking. Yeah. Like if you saw the, if you saw, if you saw David Portnoy's post today, go to it. I, it's, it's so funny. He's basically doing one of those other like super press conferences. I have to say my mind about, all the shit that's going down in the world. He's attacking Goodell now because uh, he's um, let him come to the, isn't gonna let him, isn't gonna let him go through with right. the But he looked like true house. death. So anyway, so the point is that like Kirk predicted his death. It was like the 18th of May. And so they designed a 5K for fun around. As a memorial. As a memorial. So Portnoy Memorial Run? That's what it was called. Oh my exactly. God. So it was funny. Oh and then, God. and then as with, when they were trying to uh, promote it, they had actually a cameo from um who was the who, uh, tucker carlson who did who did like a uh an obituary for him black and white photo yeah like, it was really it. funny anyway but it, turned into, it actually turned into a decent like health, health and wellness yeah sort of phenomenon that kind of went through the fan population yeah they had a, yeah had over a thousand runners we also it was a virtual run so we all logged into this special app and then steve the producer was was broadcasting a show so if you had headphones in you basically listen to all the the whole show basically without while you're running while you're running and so it was that's it was cool. really really that is, that's something we gotta uh, come up with the app. They crashed, they crashed the, the app. app it was all it was the most the amount of list most amount of runners ever to do a single race for this company and it was that's that's what the minifans did, did uh um, portnoy show up or did he hide in new york no he did but he did a video of himself saying you motherfuckers, I survived, you know, <laughs> fuck you. He was busy opening packages or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, something stupid in New York or something. So that was it. Yeah, so we had a goal. So we did it, Mike. So I, I mean, and the thing is, you know, I, I had, I'm not a runner. So, and I've been sort of somewhat posting some of my progress while I was training for that. It was only like three, two months long, whatever. 
But uh, do it, man. It's just start got, slow. You got up there and, and met Kirk though too, real quick. Got up and got to say hi. Kirk was it was engaging with the fans and doing his thing. Oh yeah, uh, the ra race, day, yeah. race day. On race day, race day. There was a couple places where some of the Minute fans were uh, congregating, and 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 Kirk tweeted out basically. Was that a fundraiser too? Was that like a charity thing? No, I think it was one of those things where it, that was actually. I mean. The Minifans bitch. It was like a joke, and they just did it. Like a big, yeah, it was yeah. a joke, and then I think there was some potential place that they were going to allocate the money, and they've done this before. You know, I think when Kirk yeah. went into treatment, they did a fundraiser toward, toward mental health, and they, they, you know, used all the money raised for a special T-shirt to that organization. Uh, I think this was this started out similar to that idea, but it turned out to be complete bullshit, and it was just for profit. This was a, this was so, a gag. However, what's worth mentioning is the Minute fans raise money for folks. Yeah, I know yeah. they do. That's why I ask because yeah, I see them raising crazy. money yeah. for families. Yeah, yeah, and... that's this one. They were fucking around, but yeah, they do, they, uh, plenty of other times they they open up. Yeah, they oh, yeah. for each other. So when cool so one of the Minute fans was was his child was extremely sick, and I know Mike, you were promoting actually. Um, a woman's child who was sick for COVID, right? That's right. She in the hospital. A friend so, of ours. Yeah, so similar thing happened for this, for one of the, the strong Meta fans, and um, they raised like $25,000. And they did it through doing some of these cameos, you know, like that app. That's right. Where like you get, you know, D minus celebrities saying whatever the fuck you want to say. Well, so Kirk, Steve, and Mike all raised like thousands of dollars doing cameos. So I was, was so close to doing that. And I'm like, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. I I'm afraid. Link, right? I'm, I'm afraid what I'll get out of this. <laughs> but the funny thing is that he went through all of them. And he yeah. even said that on, on air. He's like, you know what? I got some fucking weird ones. And I got ones that I probably shouldn't have done. But I done. And I did them anyway. And he always said it was because of the cause. You know, the cause. And that's where I think that guy's, you know, he's, he's amazing in that sense. I mean, he's got a fucking chip on his shoulder like no other. But like, in the end of the day, I think he's a pretty decent and nice guy. And uh, I don't know. We get bits and pieces of that. Just kind of being a little bit closer to him and listening to him a lot. I liked when he, when he, show. yeah, I liked when he did the uh, bit. It was not even a bit. It was his real life about, you know, when he, the train track story. I mean, oh, man. That, and I was just yeah. like, wow, this is uh, as real as it gets. And it is. And people need to have those conversations, especially men, yeah. you know, and his audience totally. is mostly men. We're the ones who don't want to talk about this stuff. And yeah. so for him to kind of give that a platform, makes it okay to talk about, you know, with a lot of men who need to be able to talk about it. So I like, I love him for that. Mm -hmm. So there's some things I don't like about his stuff, but whatever, you know, I like, I really like him for that. Yeah. And you know, his best fans, Mike, are probably the ones that hear it the way that you heard it. And I think that's how we started this whole thing. When he had his last hospitalization and he made that public amount announcement that he was leaving and everyone was, you know, the whole community stood up behind him we were actually away just coincidentally on vacation together, our two families. And we were like by a pool smoking a joint. And uh, we're like, it's time. We Let's do it. Let's do this, man. Let's do this. And that's when we proposed the show. We have a video on, on the deck of that pool, which I'll save forever. Uh, and I sent that into him. It was a, a two minute thing where we were just like, dude, this is what we want to do. And we got back from our trip and they're like, let's do it. So, and then it's the mental health plus the pro cannabis plus the policy public health it's all kind of it's all i don't know part of what you guys do now love it so we're the young jerks it's uh mike and grant tonight hosting our two friends uh from the super lemon haze podcast uh scott and eric eric and scott good guys one's a, a fake doctor that gives better recommendations than my real doctor <laughs> really i i love your recommendations that's he, good to hear mike pick i like that 
Grant, if you need some help, he'll pick out a good strain for you. Happy to, boys. Happy oh, to. Anytime, cool. anytime, John. That's a great anytime. service. That's a great service you're running. I think it's a very, uh, very cool idea. You can find me at the Cannabis Doc One on Twitter. I'll, uh, I'll hit you guys up, and of course, well, I'm already connected to the Jerks account, and I believe to Mike. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll get that out there for sure. Perfect. And you guys are on Twitter as well uh, under your show tag yeah. Super Lemon. Hayes, right? So, or actually, it's at Hayes Podcast. I, I really Hayes just, Podcast. I should I like start. I better. should, yeah, at Hayes Podcast. So look for that. Easy. So. I, I who follow are, everything you guys do now. Go ahead, Grant. Sorry. I was saying, those of you who are watching, uh, even after we drop off in a second here, once we say goodbye, uh, stay tuned because we have some correspondence potentially coming on live from Boston uh, during the protest. So just letting everyone know. Uh, sorry, Mike. No, definitely. Um, yeah, there's obviously a lot of other things happening in the world beyond cannabis, mm. uh, both you know nationally and uh, in the city of Boston right now. So hopefully yeah. uh, we can get some calls and see what's going on. Yeah. All right. And I wish for peace, please, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, I want to yeah. thank you guys for coming on again, Eric. All right, guys. Thank peace. You very much for having us, guys. We'll be nice touch you too, right? We'll talk Take care. Soon. Okay, bye. Bye now. What's up, Grant? Not too much. That was a really nice interview. I enjoyed meeting those guys. Thank you very much, Mike, for introducing. They're good guys, me to aren't them. they? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I like how they're uh, they're honest. Like they could have just spun a bunch of BS about why they didn't want to put that out. You know, they came they, on and told yeah. the exact truth. I like it. I, I like them a lot. I do. They were very, yeah, they were very transparent and that's kind of, I thought the whole interview was really embodied in that question, you know, you, do you think you can compromise without compromising yourself? And they really, you know, seemed genuine in thought, thinking about that and how they approached it. So I have a lot of respect for them. I do too. I think they handled everything well. Um, Eric and Scott from the Super Lemon Hayes podcast, check them out on the Kirk Minahan YouTube channel. Um, yeah. And I guess... Okay. I'm uh, just called? letting you know, uh, in five minutes, we're going to have uh, Chauncey Spencer, uh, our correspondent, live on the ground in Boston at the protest. Well, what do we do for five minutes then? Well, I think we might want to talk about the we I know folks watch sometimes because we talk about cannabis on this show and it allows them to uh, maybe get away from some of the things that are happening in the world. By the same token, one of the most important things about this show is highlighting those voices which are otherwise suppressed and tonight there is a peaceful protest uh, as of at least the past three hours going on in Boston and uh, with the world in such an inflamed state of tension in particular over the long-standing history of systemic injustice that has defined this country for so long in its history and still to this day we're going to hopefully be able to bring some of those voices on, not in the context of manipulated clips of violence or otherwise, but in the context of a real human voice on the ground during these spots, peaceful protests. And I've been talking to Lauren Pesfiza. It looks like her phone is dead, so she's probably not going to be able to call in. Uh, we've also reached out to Dan McCarthy, who's there. Hopefully he can uh, maybe call in. We'll see what happens. Um, we, do we also have video? I thought we may have some live video from what's going on. Do you still, are you able to bring that up or not? Well, uh, let me click over. Uh, so it is uh, past the point uh, where the video uh, is live. Uh, so I'm going to find us another video to check out. And if you okay. want to talk about how the protest started for a few minutes, I will. I don't that. really know. 
You know, oh. I know, I've been sleeping all day, Grant. I oh, mean, no. I know, yeah. I know some of you know people we know are are involved in it. Uh, seems like a Black Lives Matter event in Boston. It started later in the evening, or I think about six thirty. Um, people were last I looked were marching uh, up to uh, the State House, and I'm not sure what's going on at this point because then we went live, so it's uh, tough to know exactly what's going on. Well, yes, the Boston protest was one of many, of course, um, that was occurring over the course of this week in response to the police murder of Gregory George Floyd in Minneapolis. And those who have seen the clip will know that it is highly distressing and that the police officers involved did indeed uh, for nine minutes put their neck, put their knee on the neck of Mr. Floyd, who then subsequently died. The officer involved has been charged with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. The protests have continued throughout U.S. cities across the country, almost too many to name, as a result of what people feel to be inaction on the larger systemic issues, on the failure of the prosecutors to charge the other three officers involved with the arrest, and on the fact that police officers far too often even if charged, will manage to get away with crimes because of something called qualified immunity. So the anger on the, the streets of America tonight is palpable. You can feel it in your homes. And the reason for that is that this is a country in turmoil led by a buffoon. True. You know what gets me is, you know, we'll, we'll have these protests, these marches, riots even, and nothing really changes. You know, they'll say the right things. Even, you know, police departments are now starting to say the right things. You've even seen, we posted some pictures of police officers kneeling, like Colin Kaepernick. You know, it's Mike, like I have some Boston. Bad new- Mike, I have some bad news to report. Um, oh, Chon- the, Chauncey. No, the news is reporting that there are now clashes between protesters and police in Boston. I'm yeah, see, I'm not surprised feed. on that. I'm not surprised. And And what I want to say is, you know, if you look at, you know, they can say the right things. Boston police can always say the right things, right? The, the, the mayor is going to say the right things, but nothing ever changes. And that's why people are rioting. That's why people are getting violent. People are sick of seeing this happen over and over and over and over and over again. Nothing changes. And when you look at the uh, gentleman, I don't even call him the gentleman, the thug. He's, a, you know, when President Trump calls people thugs, he doesn't call police officers thugs. That guy was a thug. That guy who stepped on that gentleman's neck, he's a thug. That police officer is a thug. He's up on charges or murder charges. But look at his rap record. Look at his rap sheet. He was over and over and over and over again, police brutality complaints. Over and over again, he was involved in shootings and car crashes. And This guy has the worst record. You know, if, if I presented that record applying for the Cannabis Control Commission, I'm not getting hired, you know? So if you uh, present that record that he has to uh, work at the local Burger King, you're probably not getting hired. But like yet, we should go to the live footage because it's but, bad. But yet the police departments, this is what goes. Every police department has how many people on their force who have mile-long records of complaints and we don't do anything. So if we really want to change this, what we need to do, what Mayor Walsh needs to do, what other police departments and mayors need to do 
is go through their forces right now and pick out the 10 worst officers because every police department has them. They have this, and if you're a good police officer, you already know who they are on your force. You know the guys that you have to watch out for. We need to get rid of them. We need to, they need to be fired, not after they kill somebody and there's a huge riot for three or four days. They need to go now. You want to show this clip? Is, is the clip up? Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I actually was in tears for a minute there, um, and I didn't mean to lose my composure. Um, so what uh, the viewers are seeing on the stream now is we are looking at the live feed from um, WCVB Channel 5 in Boston. Thank you to them uh, for for the for putting this out. Uh, we're giving them uh, credit. Uh, you'll see the credit on the screen. Um, and these this is downtown Boston. There is active clashes between police and protesters um, downtown and crossing right looks this, like this is the streets of boston right now so it needs to change like they they need to to not just uh send thoughts and prayers and ask people to stop riding they need to actually do something and that includes boston police department boston police department should go through their their personnel file and say next week we fired the 25 worst cops in boston like you want to change something that would send a message because you know who they are. They're protected by unions. They're protected by politicians. They're protected by the mayor. They're protected by the police chief. That's what needs to change. We need to get rid of the bad apples right now. Not, not wait for Boston to be the center of the riot. So we're watching it. Uh, it's happening. I knew this, I was pretty fearful this would happen today in Boston and, uh, it looks like it's going to get crazy. Yeah, we're looking at live footage right now, courtesy of WCVB Channel 5 of downtown Boston. Uh, cities across the country are engulfed in protests. Uh, almost every city in the entire country, a major metropolitan area, is involved in some kind of protest. This has been going on for days. I do not think it's unreasonable to say that America is in a state of uprising right now over systemic inequality and injustice. Police officers in cities across the country have had to call in help from the National Guard. There is talk of invoking the Domestic Insurrection Act of 1807 to, to basically mobilize military police units to the cities across the United States. We have not seen this level of civil unrest since 1992 following the police murder of Rodney King. And unfortunately, as a reflection of the systemic injustice that exists in America, once again, people are having to go out on the streets and clash with police officers in a reflection of the anger that they feel that over the fact that police officers can take the lives of African-American men in the United States and get away with it. Well, it's not not looking good for Boston tonight. But again, and, what do we... Uh, Chauncey Spencer is now about to join us on the ground. We're going to come back to our Zoom view. Uh, I'm clicking... Uh, I, I'm waiting to uh, establish connection connection with Chauncey. Uh, his phone is right now uh, not displaying video, uh, but we do have him on the screen, uh, Mike. So uh, we are just waiting for his video to connect. Chauncey, are you with us? Yep, hold on. Okay, so we do have Chauncey on the line. Bear with us. This is a live report from Boston. So viewers, please bear with us. 
again, we're hoping to speak to Chauncey Spencer from the protests happening right now in the streets of Boston. What's up, Chauncey? We hey, have video. Up, Chauncey, uh, you are on the ground in Boston. Can you give us a report? Yeah, yeah. Um, looks like it was getting a little tense there for a moment. Cop uh, rolled through. Folks didn't like it. Uh, beat it to hell and, and um, beat up another one. So, you know, it was interesting. I've never heard sounds like that before. Um, but guys are on the corner of um, Beacon, right down the street from the State House. I can give you guys a quick look. Right near the common. Okay, go ahead, Chauncey. I'm, I'm sitting in the commons right now. Yeah, I could tell. You're in the common, Boston Common. Oh, we lost him. So we're going to wait to get Chauncey's picture back here, folks. There oh, there go. he is. He's back. So you, you, it has gotten violent today. Have you seen the violence? So we're looking at a live view right now of Boston from Chauncey's uh, phone. We're seeing uh, crowds of people standing around. Uh, it does look like traffic is still somewhat moving. Chauncey just reported to us that police cars were attacked on the streets of Boston. Uh, Chauncey's words were that he had never heard sounds like that before. You can see crowds of people on the streets of Boston. You can hear the cheering and the yelling. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Folks, this is a live look. Uh, we advise caution and discretion. We are looking live on the ground at, in Boston, Massachusetts, with our reporter, Chauncey Spencer. We're going to give you some time to take in these images, which are very surreal. Can you hear us, Chauncey? All right. Now I can hear you guys. i got to move away from the crowd here. Cool. Anything else you can report, Chauncey? Um. Well, it was uh, pretty peaceful up until a moment ago. Um, you know, it looks like another police car is coming down. I don't think it's going to work out well for that cop. I don't know why he's going there. The moment that he drives down there, he's going to be turned over, probably. Or he's going to have to mow through an entire crowd. Did you see the, them flipping over cars earlier? Did they tip over any cars? No. No. No, that, it, they just attacked it. They attacked um, yeah, and uh, it, it took off. Don't think it hit anybody, you know, but it looks like they're taking a little position a little further down. You Are know? you safe, Chauncey? Yeah, I'm safe. I'm headed home. I'm, um, I just needed to get, for it to get to this point before I knew that it was time for me to go home. I got a couple of kids to take care of. Good. Be safe. How so, many people? How many people do you think were there today? What kind of crowd oh, size? Oh, I don't know. Thousands of it. Um. Uh, say it again. No, that's it. I was just asking how how large the crowds were. Oh, the crowds. Um. I could say they were in the thousands. Definitely in the thousands. 
Can you take um, us, Chauncey, before you go, can you take us through what happened? There was a peaceful march from Nubian Square to the State House, and then what happened? And then um, it looked like the police, for whatever reason, they decided to drive up through or into the crowd, which was very strange. So you know how the State House is. Oh, so here they go. Look at these police right here. They're going around. Live pictures, live pictures from Boston folks of the police in the Boston Common. That, Chauncey, how many police officers are you seeing right now? I see about 20. Wow. Um, looks maybe 15 or so. So they're taking a the troop around that way. So you and were telling us, Chauncey, what happened as the police came into the crowds earlier? What happened? Looks like uh, uh, um, like a, uh, well, like I said, a police officer started driving up into the crowd. I don't know why, because if you know how um, Beacon Street is made in front of the State House, just imagine thousands of people there. And they thought they were going to drive through or into it, which is very strange. So people just attacked it, you know? And then, right then and there is when the don't tread on me flags came out and um, like, I don't know where these guys came from, but they seemed pretty prepared. Um, they weren't there before, but uh, they just came out of nowhere. And, you know, I don't want to imply that it was, was um, some outside elements, but I've never seen a don't tread on me flag at a Black Lives Matter rally. Oh, really? So, so it was the "Don't Tread on Me" flag that you saw. Yeah, "Don't Tread on Me." Well, that's not a Black Lives Matter flag. That's the uh, the the local uh, fascists that we know. Yeah, yeah. What did you see them get violent? Was like how the the, the police officers get hurt? No. Well, I I don't think so. They just drove down the street. They just kept driving. They just kept going. Their cars just got bashed windows and. Yeah, they threw water on it or something. And then it continued on. And then another one came. Yeah, it looks like you're all headed there. As you can see, it's about to begin. Be safe. I'm glad uh, you're, you're headed home to your kids, Chauncey. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Anything, Better be safe. Would you anything you wanted to talk, like, tell people about? You know why you came out and why this is important. Um, well, you know, me personally, I'm a I'm an African American guy, you know, um, and I've been a victim of police abuse. Family members have been, um, you know, community has been. And folks are fed up. I'm fed up. Everyone's fed up. And so, you know, to support the young folks who are out here trying to make a statement, make change, I felt the need to, to be there with them. You know, and when it goes towards, towards uh, this level of violence, I can't personally be part of it. You know, I understand it, and I want to be here to make sure that they were safe. 
but this is beyond my control. This is beyond anyone's control. This is this is something that was produced over generations. That's right. You know, and so um, I feel for anyone who may get hurt today. Um, I hope everyone gets home safe. But you know, the country will make its way through this, and and um, and we'll make our way through this. I, I hope so. It's it's this is a difficult time, definitely. I, I uh, brought something up, Chauncey. I want to ask you about this. Uh, the police officer that's been charged, he, his record is like, you know, this long. You know, um, I I feel like every police department has officers like him that are currently employed, that they have a dozen plus complaints, you know, racism, police brutality just all the things that you see and it gets covered up. Do you feel like that the mayor of Boston, for instance, should be going through his police force and get rid of the 50 worst cops? You know, I'm, I'm familiar with the internal affairs division and how they, they operate a bit. Um, if the mayor could, I mean, if the mayor, well, here's the thing. They, the city has set up basically to make an agreement with with police officers and their unions. So there's a process, a legal process, a binding process, I guess, that they have to go through. And um, well, the process in removing police officers, you know, corrupt police officers, but it's been, been rigged and it's been made in such a way that that um, prevents the removal of, of dirty cops. And then on top of that, they have other officers who are friendly to these cops. Uh, they, they have them um, doing the investigations and they never turn up anything. You know, you can, there are articles, the Boston Globe did a good article on how um, resistant cops are to, to um, to, or in the uh, Internal Affairs Division, how, how resistant they are to, uh, um, you know, evidence and information that incriminates police officers. They, they'll, they'll ignore it. And that's part of the legal process that our city is, is bound to, you know, is going through an investigation like that. You know, they have to, when, even if you ask about wrongdoing, they have a union lawyer and they have days to think about it. So it's, it's just the whole process is gerrymandered. You know, to you know, to to, to suit um, current cops, so they stay in the system, and then God knows where they came from. You know what I mean? Like they come from another city after shooting somebody or beating the hell out of somebody. Um, so does the mayor want to? I mean, it, it seems like it's a process that's been that predates the mayor. You know, it, it's right. something that that uh, they they've been in, that they've been doing for for God knows how long. Hmm. You know, so, you're right. You're right about all those issues. I, I wonder if we shouldn't start licensing them. Like, you know, when I was licensed as a financial advisor, you had to do all these things. You, you couldn't get in trouble like that. You know, you would have lost your license. So I, I just wonder if we, we, I think we have to come up with a new approach, honestly. Whatever we're doing is not working. I want to thank you, Chauncey. It's a little, we're getting a little bit feedback. 
little extra noise. Um, but I want to thank you for calling in on this. Yes, be safe out there, Chauncey, and please, please get home safe to your family. No problem. Nice to see you. Be safe. Yeah. Thank you, Chauncey. Later. So that was Chauncey Spencer live from Boston covering the protests for the Young Jerks as a correspondent. Thank you so much to him for taking that uh, time to do that. As you can see, things were getting a little intense there. Yeah, I think we're all going to go watch uh, on the news and see what's up now, right? Yep, that was quite a show we did tonight. It was. I want to thank all of our listeners, uh, the comments, uh, people who share our podcast. I want to thank Grant Smith for sitting in late with me and uh, Eric and Scott from the Super Lemon Hayes Show podcast, called in earlier, and Chauncey Spencer for giving us his report from the streets of Boston right now. Uh, I hope everyone is safe tonight. Be safe. Yes, and thank you all again for listening. Uh, you can find more content from the Young Jerks on the Young Jerks Facebook page, the Young Jerks Facebook group, which is very active these days, so please join. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, Last FM, or anywhere else where your podcasts are found under the Young Jerks. And please rate us and review us on those. Like Breaker, you can, you can star, subscribe to us, but you can also uh, you know, give us the thumbs up on every episode. That helps us. Same thing with iTunes. We really like the ratings and the reviews, especially. It does help uh, get us higher in the algorithm and get us a lot more listeners and supporters, which we really have been seeing lately on our podcast. Uh, Really appreciate all the listeners that we have on there. And um, midnightmass.substack.com is our website email list. You can also subscribe there. Uh, really happy. We're, we're our numbers are moving up on everything. So I'm I'm really happy with uh, what's going on right now with Grant and I, and the Young Jerks and our little world that we have, and our supporters. So I want to thank you so much uh, for helping keeping us going. And thank you, Mike, as always, for creating this platform and giving a voice to so many who would otherwise perhaps not be heard. Awesome. And uh, I'm, you know, one last thing I wanted to ask you to do is check out Bay State Rock, too. If you're listening to us on iTunes, they're also on. Actually, I, they're not on iTunes yet. We got to get them on iTunes, but they're in other places like Breaker. So you can find the uh, Bay State Rock podcast. It comes out on Sunday nights as well. That's uh, Carmelita, who was at AAF for 30 years doing her local rock show, Bay State Rock. It's now a podcast. Check it out. Definitely make sure you subscribe to that as well. And I don't know, do we have any shows planned this week? We'll do something. I don't know when, where, how. Well, there are some shows coming up. I uh, have definitely been uh, teasing a few different things. I think that I can, I'm ready to reveal that one of the shows is going to be a show about being a medical cannabis patient and doing online activism, which I think will be very interesting because I talk a lot about the activism I do, but there's a whole lot of people out there doing online activism related to cannabis. So I think that that would be great. And then I have another episode that isn't nailed down yet with a a big guest, hopefully in the next two or three weeks. So fingers crossed on that one and I'll keep everyone in the loop. Now I'm going to hit you up in five minutes and say, who's the big guest grant that I don't know about. (laughs) You can give me a hint. Maybe a secret code that no one else will know. 
No, we talked about this one a few months ago. You probably just forgot because of how busy things have been. Britta? No. Oh, goodness, no. But no. Uh, Commissioner McBride, if you're listening, please, you're welcome to come on the Young Jerks anytime. She's, she's like, yeah, get rid of Mike and I might come on. <laughs> All right. We're the Young Jerks. We're here whenever we want now. When do you want us here? When do people like to listen? That's the other question. That's what I want to know. When when do you guys enjoy us most? When we're earlier or later like tonight? We had to do tonight later because of our guests, you know, but it's just interesting. I wonder when people actually prefer to watch us. Because but that's it. Feedback. Yeah. I'm ready to go smoke again. What about you? Uh, yep. I'm going to spend tonight watching and praying that everyone remains safe and that voices continue to be heard. Me too. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's, this is a hard subject to talk about, honestly. I think uh, Chauncey, I'm, I'm glad Chauncey called in. He had some good words on it. So much respect for him for uh, taking the time to be with us tonight. And, Mike, I know that we've had a lot of great episodes recently, but this was really one of uh, the ones that I thought was really amazing. So I can't wait to listen to it, and thank you again. Thank you. All right, we're out of here then, right? Have a good night, everyone. Anything else we need to say? No? We're done. We're done. Bye, people. Uh, Stay safe and go watch TV and see what's going on.